Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Uh, we're going to read that, but it's going to take us a while to get there. Everybody get your Bibles out. Get something to take notes with. We believe church is a participation sport, so get something to take notes with. Best case scenario is God says something that's worth writing down. Worst case scenario is you have something to color with if you get bored. But do you believe God's going to speak? I'm excited to preach again this morning. Uh, haven't been doing this the last three weeks, and uh, I would say that y'all were blessed by me not preaching. I know I was. Karis, Heather, my dad brought us some amazing words over the last three weeks. Anybody like the New Wine series? I know I needed it. I was very encouraged. Uh, the last three weeks for, for me and for our family, uh, even, you know, for our church, but even just for us personally, have been very full and it's been exciting three weeks. I was thankful to not be preaching because there was a lot going on. Uh, I think I mentioned this maybe last week or something, but about like two weeks ago, uh, my wife and I, and then Sam and Sarah, and they brought Jude. We left our kids with my parents. Praise the Lord. We went down to Waco, Texas for a couple of days, and uh, we, this church is a part of a network of churches. We have 33 churches in the United States and another 80 teams in 40 countries around the world, and it's a family, and that's fun. And so we got together with all the other staffs of the U.S. Antioch churches uh, in Waco, Texas. So it was a couple hundred people just seeking God, having fun, worshiping, and it was powerful. We were, we were really thankful for that time away. Kind of turned into a little anniversary trip for Heather and I, too, which was a blessing. So that has happened in the last three weeks. In the last three weeks, we uh, completed, signed off on, and fully paid our general contractors next door, which is very exciting. So way to go, team. We did it. Very exciting. Um, I, I remember signing it with the general contractor. We were sitting at one of those temporary tables over there, and I was like, I feel like there should be cameras, or like, this seems like a big deal, you know? Like, this was sort of large, <laughs> like a lot of work, a lot of money, and it was awesome. And so we don't owe anybody money, and that feels good. And we get to launch into what God's calling us into next door. So way to go. Very exciting. Uh, since then, many people have been putting in many hours next door, getting ready for next week, doing some different finishing projects. So shout out to everybody who's been doing that and to anybody who may be roped into that this week. We love you. And it's great. Lots of people have been putting time in there. So uh, I think you know by now, but if you don't know, we're moving next door. And we're very excited. We're very, very excited about it. So we, we moved into this room uh, December 3rd this last year uh, as a temporary deal. And uh, I'd say there's some people who came in here and made it work pretty well. Painted the walls. You should have seen it before. Yeah. It was ugly. Yeah. But we made it work. So we started construction in April. And next Sunday is our first time over there. So don't forget to bring your friends because we have a bigger room, more chairs, and so let's fill them, and let's let God do his thing. Amen? Does that sound good? Also, over the last three weeks, I know I mentioned this, but we did the series New Wine. If you missed it, go check it out on the podcast, because it was awesome. It'll change your life and challenge you. Very, very encouraging. We were talking about how God wants to make us uh, new wineskins, new vessels to hold new things that God wants to do, and very encouraged on how to do that practically, because we believe God is ready to pour out new revelation into us. He is ready to pour out new, uh, new, new, new power into our city, and we are ready to see God do it. We want to be ready to hold it, and God wants wants you to be ready to hold it too. And anything he invites you into, it's because he's preparing you. He's not demanding it from you. He wants you to hold what God's pouring in you. Amen? Excuse me. Three weeks off, my throat's already like... So it's been a big three weeks. We're in a big time for us as a church. 
uh, this last series was, was amazing. And I, and I think that the, the series we just did was really appropriate, talking about God making us new wineskins as we are moving into a new thing as a church. And this is a really big transition time for us as a church. And I don't know if you've ever moved houses. My family has moved a couple of times, but I've learned that when you move, uh, you get rid of some stuff, you keep some stuff, and you get some new stuff, right? And I think that that's how transition works in life. Anytime that there's a transition, it's always a good time to take a second and evaluate. What, what are you trying to take with you into this next thing? Whether you're physically moving, you know, you're loading stuff up in boxes and you're like, I haven't seen this thing in three years, put it in the trash. And then my wife's like, no, we'll use it. And I'm like, no, we won't use it. And then we have conflict and it's awesome. So, but transition is an awesome time to evaluate what, what do I have that I need to keep? What do I have that I need to get rid of? And what do I not have that I need for where I'm going? And I think that this time as a transition has been a good time for me personally to just be seeking God for, for me personally and for us as a church. Lord, is there anything that you would say in this time of transition uh, that, that is significant? Because I think that when transition is happening in the physical, a lot of times it's representing some, also some spiritual things that God's wanting to do in us. So I've been seeking God and saying, Lord, is there anything that you would say to us as we make this transition? It's been, uh, today marks 23 months and one day since our first service downtown at Old National, which is pretty exciting. 18 months ago, we started this whole journey of finding a place that we could call home. And now we're about to step into this building. And for us, that is a new beginning. And how many of you know the beginning is significant for God? God creates at new beginnings. It's not just an end of a season of this. We are stepping into the beginning of a new season. When you step into a new beginning, God's ready to speak. He's ready to create. He creates universes in new beginnings. He speaks. He brings light where there was darkness in new beginnings. And he brings order to chaos when there is new beginnings. God speaks purpose where there was a void when there's a new beginning. In the beginning, God created. Amen? And what I believe that God wants to speak to us this morning is something to us as we step into a new beginning. And I want the title of this message this morning, to, I want you to write this down. And it's something that I think God wants to speak to us and have this land inside of you this morning. I want you to write this at the top of your page, permission for purpose. Permission for purpose. I want you to touch your neighbor and tell him you have permission. You have permission. Permission. <laughs> I saw that, Jared. That was funny. Jared Rogers is funny, if you don't know him. He just tried to sneak that, but I saw it. That was funny. Do you know you were made on purpose? Genesis 1 says this in verse 27. Verse 1 of chapter 1 says, In the beginning God created. In verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1, in verse 28 it says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, multiply, multiply <laughs> and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the, every living thing that moves on the earth. They just had to, they had to fit on a new slide. That's funny. I know that wasn't you, Chris. You were made for purpose. When God created us from the beginning, he filled us with purpose put man and woman in the garden and didn't just say coast through your life. Be fruitful, multiply. I've given you purpose. Psalm 139 verse 13 and 14 says this about purpose. God says, for, for God formed you in your inward parts and he knitted you together in your mother's womb. 
You were made on purpose. I praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Do you know you are a work of God? Wonderful are your works. You were made for purpose. Do you know you were made for purpose? And do you know that you were made on purpose? You were made for purpose and you were made on purpose. A few more awesome verses about purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. God says this to us, to his people. For I know the plans I have for you. Do you know God has plans for your life? Declares the Lord plans. What kind of plans? For welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you know you were made for purpose? Proverbs 19, 21 says this. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. You were made on purpose. It's from God and his purpose will stand. You can be encouraged this morning. Lastly, Psalm 33, 11. God tells us this, that the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of God's heart stand to all generations. I believe that God is an unlimited God. And I believe that as God's people, he is ready and willing to do unlimited things through us. Do you believe it? <laughs> it's a big thing to say. Ephesians chapter 1 says that Jesus has been given to the church as the head of the body. It says he's been given to the head of the body, the church. And then it says these words, which is the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's in the Bible. <laughs> which I'm, I'm trying to grow in this, but I'm like, I've got this conviction that the Bible says that I should believe it. And I don't know, like sometimes I, realize, I don't know what, I th what, what God thinks when he looks at me, what God thinks when he looks at his church. But apparently it says right here that when God looks at us, he says, that's my church. But not just my Antioch church, that is my body. Those people are my flesh and bone. Those people are the fullness of me. And I fill all in all. God has a purpose. Purpose is not just for the go-getters. It's not just for the, the entrepreneurs. Purpose isn't a personality type. It certainly is not reserved for just those of us or those out there who have certain levels of gifting or talent, influence, resource. God has a purpose for you. And God has a purpose for us. I want you to know this morning that in this moment of transition, I believe God wants to give you permission. God wants to give you permission. God wants to give you permission to look less in the mirror that shows you all the reasons why you'll never be enough and look more at the cross that tells you why he's always enough. You have permission. He's giving us permission for purpose, permission to believe bigger, to dream better, to, to see bigger, to hunger deeper for what God could do through you. I believe that God wants to give you permission for purpose this morning. Like I said, we were in Waco recently with a whole bunch of friends and our Antioch family. And uh, part of our time together every morning, we would do these sessions where there was worship and teaching. And uh, part of the time together was they would have somebody uh, stand up and share a testimony of stuff God was doing in their church. And we got to hear some really cool God stories. Do you like God stories? Can I tell you some God stories? Awesome. We're going to tell you some God stories of things that are happening as part of our family around the country. And just so you know, I gave you a big shout out. We got to talk about Cade and how y'all pray and fast and see God move in miracles. So that was awesome. Everybody was excited. So you encouraged all the staffs of all the Antioch churches. Way to go. 
Awesome. We heard from the lead pastor, uh, Antioch Phoenix. Shout out to my Grand Canyon guys in the back. Uh, his name's Travis, and uh, they, like us, have been on a building journey, and so I thought I'd share that one because we've got a fun building journey, and they did too. So a couple of years ago, uh, like two years ago, they, as a team, really felt like God was initiating with them to start looking for a more permanent location for them. They were renting different places, kind of like we were at Old National. So they felt like God was initiating with them to start looking for a place that they could call home. They're looking around the city, and they find this building that is in a great place of town that they really see a lot of opportunity in to bring the kingdom of God, impact people. They connect with the owners amazingly well. Uh, they're having a really great relationship with them. And so there's a lot of momentum headed towards moving down into this part of, time, uh, part of town. They had people in their church sold their homes and moved down to this area of town because it was like, man, this is... This is where God's calling us. We want to put our roots down here and see God do amazing things. So as talks were progressing with the owners and figuring out what's it going to take to buy this place and renovate it and all these kinds of things, they, uh, they, they decide that they need to set out to try to raise a million dollars as a church. And they had, I think, you know, 300 people, mostly college students, and a million dollars is a lot of money and a million dollars is a lot to them too. And so they set it out. They're like, God, we're going to believe. We're going to go for a million dollars. So they, they do this whole thing where they're trying, they try to raise a million dollars, and they come out of all of that with $184,000. And then around that same time, they are going into a meeting with these building owners that they had had this awesome relationship with. And, and Travis actually thinks that they're headed into this meeting because the owners are going to give them the building. That's how good things were going. And they actually sit down in the meeting and say, hey, I'm really sorry, but somebody came with a better offer, so the building's sold. It's like, mm, that really stinks. <laughs> so there they are, disappointed, uh, confused, wondering what is God doing. It sets them off on several months of uh, kind of like a journey we went through where you get close to a whole bunch of different things. You know, God, what are you doing? What are you saying? And nothing was coming through. So this was uh, taking quite some time, a lot of energy and uh, it can be tiring. And so they're trying to figure it out. God, what are you saying? What are you taking us to? Uh, along the, the way, Travis goes and he goes to this kind of retreat type of time for a couple of days with some of the other Antioch senior pastors from around the country. And they're having a time just sharing, you know, what, what's going well, what's, what's hard, and how can we pray for each other kind of a thing. And he's sharing about this building thing, and it's, it's been hard. And so they're sharing, and there's kind of this consensus in the room as they begin praying for him uh, that they're like, hey, we, we believe that, that God's going to give you this building. He's going to make it clear. And Travis was about to go on sabbatical, and they said, we, we really feel like God's saying that before you go on your sabbatical, God's going to make it known what this building is. And Travis was like, that's awesome. That's in 11 days. <laughs> so probably not. <laughs> So he gets home Thursday, gets a text Friday from some random number. I heard you're interested in a building. Yes. So they meet Monday, and he meets uh, with this church around Phoenix. as an older church that had been uh, dwindling in size, but they, they knew that God wasn't done with them, and so they were looking for a young church that's reaching young people that they could kind of be absorbed into and give all of their assets to and sort of just kind of hit the ground running again. So that happens Monday after this Thursday he gets back, and uh, Travis is like, I think that sounds like a blast. Let's do that. So they have a meeting Monday. Everything sounds incredible. They, uh, all systems are go. He gets his team together. They're praying and believing God for promises all week long. They have a meeting Thursday, and they come in and say, actually, never mind. And <laughs> yeah, 
we talked and we don't know about this. And, and what I love about this is he said, he's like, you know what? We really think this is God. And so him and his team got together and basically said, with all due respect, we think we should talk some more about this and that we don't think this is done. And I love that he held on to a promise of God like that. Uh, that was awesome. And so they, the, the other church is like, okay, like we're, 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 we're fine to keep talking. So it sets off some time. I think he ends up going on sabbatical. This conversation is still happening. And long, they, they keep going on this long thing. They kind of get in traction with this whole deal. And then finally, the elders of that church are like, okay, we're going to put it to a vote to our uh, congregation. And they can decide if we want to do this or not. So that morning, Travis and the whole church, they're praying, God, it was a silent vote. But he said, God, would you just make it a unanimous vote? Make it no doubt that this is how it's supposed to go. They get word later that afternoon, there's a unanimous vote to do it. It gets better. So they meet with the elders, and the elders are basically telling them, okay, yeah, our whole church voted. We want to, like, come under you guys. We're going to sign over all of our assets, including, like, a $4 million building. And they said, but we owe a little bit on the building. So, like, we don't want to, like, there's a little bit of debt on the building. They said, how much is owed on the building? They said, (laughs) $184,000. Come on. How cool is that? So they move in. Their church has doubled twice, I think, since moving in. It's encouraging. God's doing his thing. Amen? You guys want one more God story? This one's a little weird. So we've got a couple of churches in Seattle, and uh, they're awesome people. And there was a few people in their church, uh, these two people that were part of a discipleship school that our church does up there, that uh, they wanted to go out and share the gospel in, in Seattle one day. And that's one thing that uh, happens a lot in the discipleship schools, learn how do you go talk to people about Jesus. So uh, they did this thing called a coffee outreach because it's Seattle and everybody loves coffee. Like you think, you, be, you think people like coffee here, like Seattle. It's, it's like coffee and then water, right? So they decide we're going to go out and share the gospel with people. So they do these things called coffee outreaches. They just go to Starbucks, buy one of those cardboard jugs and sit on a street corner and pass out free coffee to people because everybody takes it. And, you know, it's kind of, hey, you want some free coffee? You know, I hope you have an awesome day. Is there anybody I can pray for you or anything like that? So they kind of blocked off two hours to do this whole thing. In 15 minutes, they had given away all their coffee and nobody wanted them to pray for them. (laughs) So that was discouraging. So they're, they're 15 minutes into this two-hour time chunk. And again, so proud of these people uh, to not just take the circumstances. They say, okay, before we move on, let's just, let's talk to God. Let's see what God's doing here. So they just pray. And they're like, Lord, what do we do? <laughs> this seems like kind of a joke. What, what's going on here? So what should we do? What should we do? And they both really, like, really clearly feel like the Lord's saying, keep pouring out coffee. And they're like, okay, like we don't have any coffee. But if like, they're like, God's saying to keep offering people coffee. Like, not go buy more, just offer people more. And they're like, well, I guess it's in the Bible, like with bread and fish. I guess he could do it with coffee. I don't know. This is weird. <laughs> so next person walks by, and they say, hey, uh, do you want some free coffee? We'd love to, you know, encourage you today. And the guy's like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love some coffee. So they take the jug, and they, they go to pour coffee, and nothing comes out. <laughs> they're like, oh, sorry, I guess we're out. <laughs> And he's like, okay. And I, can we pray for you? And he's like, no. <laughs> so he walks off. <laughs> Next person walks by. Hey, can we offer you some coffee? We'd love to just give you a cup. It's free. You know, God loves you. And she's yeah, absolutely. I'd love some coffee. So they give her a cup and they go to pour it. 
nothing comes out. <laughs> They're like, ah, can we pray for you? I guess we're out. And it's like, no. <laughs> Walks off. And they're like, well, we were obedient. God, we tried. You know, like, let's get out of here. So they're like walking to the dumpster to throw everything away. And some woman runs out of like a nearby storefront or something. Is like, hey, wait, 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 before you go, before you go, are, are you guys still passing out coffee? Like, I'd love a cup of coffee. And they're like, uh, like are we? I don't know. Yeah. So uh, they're like, Uh, yeah, we're still passing out coffee. And basically they're like, well, here's the deal. (laughs) We we love Jesus and we want to pray for people. And we came out here because we wanted to give coffee and pray for folks. And we're out of coffee, but we really feel like God said to keep pouring coffee. And so we believe God can make coffee. And she's like, okay, you know, this is weird. And they're like, so what we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to give you a cup of coffee. She's like, okay. And so they're like, why don't you pray for the coffee? She's like, Okay, because <laughs> it's Seattle, so they're down for stuff, you know. <laughs> so, so they have her put her hands on the coffee, and uh, they say, okay, just say, God. She's like, God, like, will you make me coffee? Will you make me coffee? And they give her a cup, and they pour it out. Hot, steamy coffee fills her cup. She goes, oh, oh, <laughs> gives them the coffee back and runs away. <laughs> Amazing, right? Do you believe God can use a building for his purpose? Do you believe God can use an empty Starbucks jug for his purpose? Do you believe God can use you for his purpose? Do you? Because I think we can hear stories and say, God could use a building. God could even use an empty Starbucks jug. But when it comes to us, we've got some questions. And God wants to give you permission for purpose this morning. He is an extravagant God, and he will use whatever he can find, including you. God wants to give you permission for purpose. I found that the biggest gap in people's life is not so much money, relationship, resources, accomplishments. It's purpose. This is the gap in people's life. And we, people are walking around empty and trying to fill themselves with purpose. It's why we go to all of these other things that not in and of themselves are bad things, but they're bad things when we try to make them do things they weren't supposed to do, which is fill us. And so we're, we're searching for purpose. And the, 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 the trend that we all have, and we've all done this in our lives, and we see it even in the people around us, is when we're empty and we're looking to fill, be filled with purpose, for some reason the first place we go to to fill our empty selves full of purpose is we go back to our empty selves. We go back to our empty selves. And I've noticed that my gas tank doesn't fill itself up when it's empty, and I don't know why I would be able to do the same. But God wants to fill you with purpose. We can't be turned into our empty selves to to fill us with purpose. It's not your ability that's going to fill you with purpose. It's not accomplishments or your own appetites, desires, passions, living your own truth, making your, do whatever makes yourself happy, follow your dreams. That's not purpose. That's looking to ourselves to fill us with purpose. If you're here this morning looking to be filled with purpose, I want to love you enough to tell you that if you're looking to any of those things, just don't waste your time. It's not going to work. But God will give you purpose. God wants to fill you with purpose. And I'm talking to us church folks too. We can do the same like look to ourselves thing. We just slap a Jesus sticker on it, right? And we say, well, oh, well, God's purpose is to serve my dreams. No, 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 my friends. If you want to be filled with purpose, your purpose is to serve God's dreams. And he will fill you as you give yourself to him. 
When we talk about purpose, it can become so overwhelming. It's such a big word. It feels like this big thing that I got to pull off, right? It's like, I'm trying to get my kids to bed on time most of the time. Like, purpose, woohoo, you know? Like, that sounds great. Especially when we talk about it in church. It's like, great, are you going to tell me to, like, be a missionary? Because those are the people who live in purpose. It's not what I'm, it's not what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, that purpose this is, is this intimidating, exhausting thing. There's something that I want you to understand about purpose as we talk about having permission this morning, and I want you to write this down. That your purpose is not your responsibility to Jesus. It is simply your response to Jesus. This is the invitation of purpose, not to weigh you down and become this massive responsibility that you've got to pull off to make God happy. He actually wants your purpose to flow as you get to know him and just respond to who he is. This is the permission that God wants to give you this morning. Because if purpose is according to and sustained by my own drivenness and my own ability, that's very scary. It's going to kill me and I'm going to hurt a bunch of people. Right? Like if I'm, if I'm banking on my drivenness, my ability to give me purpose, I'm going to run out. But if my purpose is according to and sustained by Jesus, then nothing could be healthier for me. I had somebody ask me recently, is this healthy to talk so much about purpose? Is it really healthy to like always be believing for more, like more and go and ah, like, is that good or should we like... We relax a little bit. If it's about Jesus, then nothing could be healthier, my friends. If it's about me, that's not good. If it's about you, no, it's not healthy. <laughs> but if it's according to and sustained by Jesus, then nothing could be better for you and for me than purpose. Coming alive in the purpose of, of God. I want you to read, I want to read you a quick story out of Luke 19. Already taken way too long, so here we go. It's our last one in the building. We're gonna be here till two. This is going great, so stick here. Even if you don't think so, we're doing it now. Luke 19, there's a very familiar story that you probably know a jingle about. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man, right? Okay, so I want to talk about this story, but I want to go past the jingle. Can we do it? I don't want to talk about the jingle. The jingle's great. I'm thankful for it, but we're talking about permission for purpose. Amen? We're going to go fast. Luke 19, verse 1. We're going to read through it here. Talking about Jesus, says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried down, came down and received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. You ever had a grumbler in your life? I've been a grumbler. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come into this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Amazing story, great Bible story that we all know. If you've spent any time in church or around a church person, you know about Zacchaeus. Cornerstone story. It ends with this amazing verse in Luke 19, verse 10. This massive verse full of purpose. God says, the reason the Son of Man came is to seek and save the lost. Sounds like it's packed with purpose. But 
It's interesting to me that the story starts with no purpose. He entered Jericho and he was passing through. Just passing through. I want to talk about this story just in our final few minutes together. Just dig in. How does this give us permission to have purpose? Because Jesus in, verse, or in Luke 19, he steps into a purposeless situation and packs it with purpose for eternity. And this is what God wants to do with your life. The first thing that we learn about purpose in this story, and I want you to write this down, is that purpose is not self-given. It's presence-driven. Purpose is not self-given, it's presence-driven. See, what transforms Zacchaeus from a a thieving tax collector to a Jesus-following philanthropist was not a seminar he took, a book he read, or a principle he learned. It was a person he got to know is what transformed Zacchaeus. He goes from a tax collector who nobody will talk to, nobody will help him get in front of Jesus, so he's got to climb a tree because he knows there's not a single shoulder in town that will hold him up for him. Nobody owes him anything. Nobody wants to help him at all. And to the end, he says, God, I'm going to give away everything. I want to serve people. I want to make things right, and I want to be a part of your kingdom just by dinner with Jesus. We have no record of what Jesus did or did not say at this dinner, but if he acted at this dinner like he seemed to act at most dinners that we do have records of, we can assume that he probably didn't preach at all. He was probably just being a really good friend. He was just hanging out with Zacchaeus, loving Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, Jesus steps into Zacchaeus' life that is void of purpose. He's trying to fill himself with himself. He's chasing after the money. He's got the job title. He's got the influence. He's got the people. He's got everything at his fingertips, but he's still looking for more. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. There was a lot of people seeking to see who Jesus was, but Zacchaeus was the only one willing to climb up in a tree to see him. And I want you to know that if you're desperate enough to where you got to do something that makes you feel silly to see Jesus, just do it. It doesn't matter what anybody else has to say. Because there was a crowd, but Jesus saw the one in the tree. Zacchaeus is void of purpose. He's full of everything and empty of purpose. He was living his life bound by this pursuit of purpose. And it had brought him into loneliness. It had brought him into greed and insecurity and deception. And then all of a sudden, over one dinner, he gets set totally free. Do you know that a moment with Jesus can change everything? His whole life, he had been a mess. Jesus didn't wait for him to go find any of that and straighten it out himself. He just sat with him. And Zacchaeus, when he found Jesus, he found his purpose. Purpose is not self-given. It's it's presence-driven. You know, there's a big difference between man's big idea and God's vision. There's a big difference. And I want to encourage you with this because you might not be a big idea kind of person. And if you are a big idea kind of person, I need you to hear this too. There's a big difference between a big, man's big idea and God's vision. Here's the difference. One is man's big idea. The other is God's vision. God's not waiting on you to come up with some grand idea for how to change the world and make yourself worth something. He just wants you to invite you over for dinner. When you know him, you know who you're made to be. Jesus has purpose for your life. Your purpose is to know him and live free from bondage. 
We know this because when Zacchaeus expressed his freedom, he got set free, and when he acted on his freedom, Jesus looked at him and said, that's it. That's salvation. That's why I came right there. That is the purpose. Zacchaeus, that's your purpose, to live free, to live free and love me. There is room. I also want to encourage you with this, with purpose. As you seek for purpose, I want you to know there's room for personality and purpose. Your purpose may work its way out in a different way than somebody else's. We're not getting into the comparison game here, amen? There's room for personality and purpose because purpose is a person. And as you get to know Jesus, you can trust him to lead you. Zacchaeus had to get set free from self-given purpose. He had to get self free from the bondage of chasing his own dreams, living his own life, living his own truth. And when he found purpose, he found it in the presence of Jesus. And this morning, as God's giving you permission for purpose, he's giving you an invitation into his presence. This is what purpose is all about. Secondly, I want you to know this about purpose. This purpose that you have permission for this morning is that you can't live your, you can't serve your God-given purpose without serving people God loves. You can't serve your God-given purpose without serving people God loves. I, I said this a little bit at the beginning, but I'm interested how this story is so full of purpose at the end. It starts so void of purpose. It starts so passive. The language is so passive in this story. Verse one, he entered Jericho and was Passing through? Jesus was just going somewhere, you know? Verse 4, Zacchaeus ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus. For Jesus was about to pass that way. Like, Jesus is walking by. You, you know, you, you pass through places when you're, on your, when you're on the way to somewhere, right? Jesus didn't arrive at Jericho. He was passing through Jericho. He was just on his way somewhere. In Luke 18, verse 31 and 33, just two sections in my Bible above this story, we realize where Jesus is on his way to. He says this to his, his disciples. He says, let's go to Jerusalem. We're going to Jerusalem, and that's where the Son of Man is going to die, and then I'm going to raise from the grave. After flogging him, they'll kill him, and on the third day he will rise. Big announcement, right? <laughs> Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to serve a huge purpose. He's just passing through Jericho. So how does this passing through turn into a moment of purpose? He was neither in Jericho nor next to that sycamore tree on purpose. He was just passing by. I want you to know that when you're looking for purpose, when you're searching for purpose, don't spend too much time focusing on what, when, where, why, and how, and forget all about the who. The who is where you'll find your answer. It's so easy and distracting to spend all our time digging for purpose and what? What am I doing? Where am I living? How's this build this? How's this move me forward? Where am I headed? Where am I trying to get to? What am I doing next? What's God calling me to? It's easy to get distracted by all those things that matter, but you can't forget who. You can't forget who. Who is around you? in your life. If you're looking for purpose, you can't forget about the who around you. You see, Jesus' passing by became purposeful when a wee little man climbed up a sycamore tree. Jesus wasn't there on purpose until Zacchaeus showed up. See, Jesus' purpose was not in Jericho. It wasn't next to the sycamore tree. His purpose was in Zacchaeus. 
He says, the reason the Son of Man came was to seek and save the lost. I think he's talking about like human beings. This is where the purpose of God is wrapped up in. And the purpose that you will serve, it is wrapped up in people. It will always serve people. And it will always look different than somebody else. But the end game is always to serve people. God is concerned about the who. He can use whatever, what, where, when, why, and how you have to serve who is around you. You don't have to wait for ideal conditions. Just look around. It's so easy to miss out on purpose because we're just passing through, right? We're just passing through this job, passing through this city, passing through this season of life. We're headed somewhere. We're trying to get somewhere. Because everybody knows your purpose is somewhere a few decades down the road that if you play your cards right, maybe you're lucky and you'll end up there. Nobody knows that. But what if your purpose is in your passing through? Because it's all about who. It's all about who. If you're headed to Jerusalem, Jesus had a big purpose. There was a dream. I'm going to save all of humanity. I'm going to set everybody free from their sins. I'm going to give everybody a right to live in the presence of God. Jesus had a purpose. Amen. He was going to Jerusalem to give himself. And if you have a Jerusalem, if you have a purpose, if you have a dream, if you're the big idea person, God spoke this, go, go. We cheer you on, right? Go to Jerusalem, support each other, head into Jerusalem, but don't miss Zacchaeus and Jericho on the way. Don't miss Zacchaeus on the way. God's purpose for your life is not in your future, and you're not disqualified from his purpose because of your past. God is giving you permission for purpose today. I want us to worship one more time as we close this morning. Why don't you go ahead and stand up? We're going to sing that song, Living Hope, again. How's that sound to you? We want to be a people who respond, and I just feel like, you know, I know we're going to go like a couple minutes long here with this song, but I think God's just kind of on this moment where he wants us to know he's extending the invitation, and just this moment together is us saying, God, I, I, I take it up. I want to take up this invitation. I want to receive permission this morning to step in to purpose. As we're worshiping, as we're talking, or maybe whatever God's doing in you, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit a couple of questions as we worship. God, do I believe this? Do I believe this? Like, do I actually believe that you could use me? And maybe you know the answer to that right off the bat. Maybe it's a big yes. Maybe it's a big fat no. But I want you to just ask God, God, do I actually believe? That sounds great. Sounds cool, Pastor, on Sunday morning. Oh, awesome. Like Tuesday morning, do I believe, Jesus, that you actually want to do something with my life? That I could actually serve the purposes of God? I want you to ask him that question because God knows you better than you know yourself. And you can ask God, Holy Spirit, do I believe this? And if the answer is no or if, there's a, if, he, if he's highlighting something in your life, just ask him, okay, what can replace that? What's the truth that can replace this? Because God wants you to leave this morning full of permission. Full of permission to leave for work tomorrow morning, to raise your kids on Wednesday and believe that God is bringing his kingdom in and through your life in an unlimited way. This is who our God is. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, I wanna encourage you to do that before you leave this morning. We're gonna have a few people off to the sides that are available to pray. If you need anything, if you need to respond in any way, you need prayer for anything, please get it before you leave. If you wanna give your life to Jesus, you can talk with them, talk with the person who brought you, catch me afterwards. Today's a great day to encounter purpose, just like Zacchaeus did. It's a great day if you're lost to be, see, to be saved by the love of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for purpose in your presence. 
I pray, God, that you would come in these moments together and you would mobilize us into this purpose, God. Teach us to believe. Just teach us to see you. Teach us to come into your presence and believe that you are ready to do something with us. And it starts with meeting with you. So make yourself known to us, God. Show yourself to us in these few minutes we have together. In Jesus' name, amen.